I think the biggest mistake that a lot of physical products brands makes, they, they think that they're like a manufacturer, but they're actually a marketing company. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And for those of you that only listen to the audio version of this, you should probably go check us out on YouTube because I cut off all my hair. And I think this is the first episode where you guys will see it. I donated over 12 inches locks of love about two weeks ago. So uh, there's that. Check out the YouTube channel. Please subscribe. I'm trying to grow that nonsense over there. But today, good, I'm Chase. also... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but today, we're bringing an awesome guest to the show. I was uh, uh, on his podcast a while back. He is the host of the e-commerce influence podcast. Austin Bronner is the CEO of Brand Growth Experts, where he provides coaching and training for e-commerce entrepreneurs. Austin, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, I the conversation we had a while back was was a blast. So make sure you go find my episode on his podcast and, and subscribe because he talks about all sorts of awesome stuff. Um, but let's kind of just dive into it. How'd you get started in e-commerce? How'd I get started in e-commerce? I was working at a startup in um, Los Angeles, and it was we were selling healthy vending machine franchises. It's so weird. And I was one of the first. What's that? So weird you say that. That was like one of my first forays into e-commerce as well. Here in Columbus, the guy like sold the vending machine things for like corporate like lunch rooms, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And then they'd make all their money on stocking it. Yes. So yeah, I mean, it was it was my first real, uh, I guess like second real job out of college. And um, I got, I was one of the first employees at this company and I got really involved with the marketing and we started getting, we, we were super excited about Infusionsoft at the time, which was all this automated marketing. It was kind of the first of its kind. You could take emails, make triggers and all these different things. We built this really fast growing large business uh, based entirely on lead gen to automated emails that, that closed with one salesperson. And it was super cool. I, I learned a ton about marketing. I'm talking about automated marketing. And I think we were, at the time we, were, we had built like a $15 million company and we had one salesperson closing all these leads. So it was super powerful. We got second place in this thing called Infusionsoft Ultimate Marketer competition. And I, I, so I learned a bunch of this stuff and I was like, I had a friend who was building a company called Blender's Eyewear. Uh, one of my best friends from high school started that was a co-founder. And I noticed that he was doing none of it. Like there was no marketing automation going on in e-commerce at all. And so when I wanted to leave that company, I, I said, Hey, let's team up. I will come in. And I, I know this is going to work because we were selling like a hundred thousand dollar franchises with automated email marketing. I bet we can sell $40 sunglasses. So I actually hopped in my car. I drove down to San Diego from Los Angeles and I stayed on his couch uh, for a month and we built out all these emails uh, and they were growing really fast at the time and it went really, really well. This is actually even before Clavio existed. Um, so it was super, it, it went really, really well. And then their neighbor company, called Pure Vita Bracelets, which you guys might have heard. Uh, they saw what we were doing and they're like, oh, come, let's hire you as well. And so that was kind of my first foray into working in marketing with e-commerce brands. And I was like very interested and passionate about this idea that you could create marketing automation that would sell for you regardless if you were doing anything. Yeah, I, I think that marketing automation is the coolest thing ever. I mean, uh, how... Did you ever uh, get into like what Russell Brunson was talking about and and building over there with the what was his what's his company ClickFunnels? Yeah, so we we do have a ClickFunnels account. Um, I mean, a lot of the same stuff like ports over. Like I think he's done a really good job of taking this 
like landing page building software and turning it into something really big because he was second, right? Lead pages was first. Yeah. And then he kind of blew out lead pages with a much better version of it. But yeah, doing some very, really interesting stuff there. It all just comes down to is like, you know, having you got to you got to build a quality funnel. And then, you know, some of the pieces that kind of make it more valuable is like, then you got to start upselling people and just make it easier for them to say yes to your offers. Yeah. Well, what was so interesting at the time, right, is like this, we now think about Clavio and like, they're so, so powerful. You can do all these things. Back then it was really, really challenging. We were using Infusionsoft. This is before Clavio came out, but it went so well that our business started growing really fast. Like I was just doing consulting and it ended up, there's more and more brands that were like, Hey, can you do this for me? And, and then Clavio came out and I remember starting to work with that. And it was basically when it was just two people there, Ed and Andrew were the founder, the founders of Clavio. And I remember like emailing them being like, okay, this is cool. This is working. We'd like talk. I went to their headquarters uh, when they were in just in like a tiny, I think it was like a 10 person office in Boston. I was like working with them and it was super cool. And I built this agency where we were doing all this stuff uh, for brands, kind of like growth marketing, referral marketing, and automated marketing. And that's like really how I got my start in in e-commerce, like learning what actually works and what doesn't work. Uh, those first couple of years, it was really exciting because I was working with these brands that were growing super fast. Brands like I've heard of like Movement Watches, which is like a big growth story. Uh, did some work with them, helped them build their referral program and emails. And it was just interesting because those first couple of years, I was like very in the trenches. We were just talking before hopping on this into about Black Friday and like how as a younger person, it's easier to be like, all right, yeah, I'll take on this project last minute. That was me. I had all these clients. It was like, Black Friday was always the craziest because we were just you know trying we were running like marketing for like ten companies uh, and going into the biggest time of year, and so that was kind of my my real start in the e-commerce space. Absolutely, I mean it's a it's an awesome story, and I I, I see a lot of parallels between what you kind of did and and what we did starting our agency. I mean the first thing is just like we were just naturally curious, and we were like, well this thing looks interesting and a lot of people are saying it's helping them grow in x y or z way and i remember that like clavio was one of them where we just kind of like sat down and we're like you know what like this thing's really cool and now we're forcing everybody to use it you know like and it it changed a lot of the businesses that we were working with too um you know and that was just the power of email automation and then just helping you know it's where when brands are in that kind of growing that scaling phase like after they've got product market fit they've got an almost predictable kind of funnel uh they still don't have enough support or team members to really do things the right way and anything that you can automate is a game changer it is it is it it, it leads to a lot more profit right like that's that's the thing that i think what the light bulb that flipped for me was realizing how much money how much money I actually came back to a, a, an article from a guy named Kevin Hillstrom and Kevin has been on my podcast. He's got a pod, It's called, he's got a blog called mind that data. And he used to work at Nordstrom's and like old school marketer guy, analytics guy. And he talked about tolls and he was like, one thing that we forget about are the tolls that we pay to do business in um, in e-commerce, right? And a lot of these is when you break down your PL and you look at where the money's going, so much of that goes to tolls to Facebook, to Google, to all these companies that are actually like the ones that are truly making the profits uh, in, in when your business is growing. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of the cost of doing business. But the cool thing about marketing automation, the reason I was so, so excited was like, it's very low toll based, right? Mm-hmm. You, it's a flat fee pretty much for Clavio. You can send almost as many emails as you want. Doesn't Your performance is not tied to their profits, right? Their, their profits aren't tied to your your performance. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, and it's one of those things where you start talking about things like owned marketing or retention marketing it's just the how much more profitable those types of marketing efforts are versus you know building a business on rented land if you're kind of doing an amazon play or or you know your whole acquisition strategy is paid traffic uh you know even this year there were two major blows to paid traffic 
Uh, and you know, some people still aren't recovering and then there's all, you know, the whole data privacy thing, you know, so that's why you kind of need to grow with, with the times. For sure. And it, it also just makes it a little less stressful, right? And that, that was one of my big realizations from spending a lot of time working with these fast growing companies was that it's just so stressful being completely reliant on one channel and, you know, the ups living and dying by Facebook results is, uh, it's tough. It's really tough. I do have a question for you and you can answer this, uh, you know, any way that you, you think that you can, but there, there's something that I always found curious in with working with fast growing brands. And there's two types of founders, I guess. And, and it's like some are, you know, it's, it's growth for the sake of growth. And, and, you know, it's just because they can, they want to, and it's always faster and quicker and, and, and stuff like that. But then there's, you know, honestly, sometimes this is just the complete opposite. They're growing so fast and they don't understand why and they just need help with kind of your experience and working with the different types of founders. What are the pros and cons of each of those approaches? Well, I think it's, I don't know if I would categorize it in the exact same way, right? Like the, the second category of like, we're growing so fast and we don't know why. I yeah. think that's interesting because that's usually like you catch like lightning in a bottle kind of. It's like something that is so um, mm-hmm. perfectly timed. Like one of my one of my good friends, Anthony Gustin, started a company called Perfect Keto. And he was already in the keto space before keto became a thing. He already had a product and it just happened mm-hmm. to time that he was, you know, they were the first ones to launch and the first ones there on the upswing of the biggest diet trend in the last like 20 years. And so they, yeah, it was literally like, holy crap, we're just growing so fast. We got to just keep the wheels on the bus. On the, on the flip side, I think, you know, partly the the mindset of somebody who's just like, we need to grow, grow, grow faster, 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 faster. I think that often happens maybe when they don't catch lightning in a bottle necessarily. And they're trying to figure out, you know, they have something, but it's not exactly flying off the shelves, right? Like, or, uh, or maybe, maybe it is growing quite fast and they're, they're not satisfied. I don't know between the two of them, like pros and cons, I think, Ideally, you you catch lightning in a bottle and you solve your demand issue right away because again, that's the hardest thing. Right, selling is going to be the hardest thing, and then you can mm-hmm. solve a lot. You can kind of control your own destiny on the back end of how fast you actually want to grow. So, you know, that's my. Ideally, you find something that's just unlimited demand and you hit it at the perfect times. Timing is so important with all of these companies. I think the biggest change that I've seen from back when I started working with these companies like six, seven years ago and seeing the fast growing brands back then, back then it was easy. Well, back then all you had to do was you kind of had to be first, right? So a lot of these companies, it was like, we're the first ones to do it online. And that was a differentiating play. Now it's not differentiating play. Just being first is not enough, mm-hmm. right? We've gone up the, the the hierarchy of like marketing needs. So it's not like we're first, we're not, we're the first direct to consumer. That's just not even that really compelling anymore. And now you have to think to, uh, it's a little bit more of a sophisticated market and that makes it more challenging. It's still a bigger market, but it can be more challenging. Absolutely. So with within those two terrible kind of analogy uh, types of founder, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people out there that are just getting started. What would you say would be uh, the attributes of a, a founder that will most help them be successful? So I'll flip it and I'll say the two types of founders that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the two that I really recognize are there are some people out there who have a little bit of like... I would describe it as a zero sum mindset. And it's interesting because I've I've worked with at this point hundreds and hundreds of e-commerce founders and what I've noticed is there's like, there's basically two types and one type, they both can grow really fast, but yeah. one makes it really hard on themselves and one makes it easier on themselves. There's kind of the zero sum side. And that often comes up when people who are really worried about competition. I remember I launched this, uh, I have this thing called the brand growth accelerator, which is like a, it's a cohort group of businesses that all go through it together. And the, whole idea is that after you go through the accelerator, you'll have a system to run your business. And also you'll have a 
community of other people that you know that are going through at the same time. And I talked to some, some person, she had an incredibly fast growing business and she was like, Nope, I can't, I won't do it. I don't trust anybody else. Yeah. I don't trust any other founders. I don't want somebody to, to like see what I'm doing and then rip me off. Meanwhile, she's doing like a couple million dollars. It's like, it's not that easy to rip off a couple million dollar brand like that. But that yeah. mindset makes it really hard, right? For, for her to be able to have really big success and you flip it over to the other side. And <clears throat> I interviewed the founder of Pure Life Organics. They do, I think like 60 to 90 million, somewhere in that range. And the mindset is completely different, right? He's like, I, I'll never miss an opportunity to invest in connecting with other founders and learning what they're doing and sharing an unlimited amount of my knowledge because it's not zero sum, right? Like they're not taking your sales away. Yeah. It's there's more than enough for everybody. Yeah, it's, like, so, it's an abundance mindset. An abundance mindset, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a, um, that's that's a fantastic way to look at it. And that's that's that, to me that is the biggest difference that I that I've seen between people that make it easy and people that make it hard. And you definitely and, and that 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 actually connects to so many different decisions in life, mm -hmm. um, not just in business and, and, and whatnot. Uh, absolutely. No, that, that's really fun. Uh, and I'm probably going to dive more into that in the future, especially when talking about the types of clients that our, our agency wants to work with. Like, Let's be real. Uh, there is one of those that's more appealing to me. For sure. Right. We've all had the experience being on the service side of having somebody who, I mean, like we have to fire, where well, you have to fire a client, right? I remember the first client I fired, they, the first experience with that, I woke up with 15 text messages um, about, you know, there was some issue with an email that went out, but it was like from 4am to like 7am, just a barrage of text messages. I was like, okay, you've made this very easy on me. It's over. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's fast forward to now. Uh, how much kind of direct consulting are you doing with brands these days versus... I know you're doing a lot more coaching and training of entrepreneurs, which is a little bit different than like a more traditional agency play, I guess. So yeah. what, what, what does it look like these days? What's the day in the life? So um, a day in the life, we have basically two things that I'm doing, or th I'll say three things that I'm doing. Um, one of them is continuing to grow something called, it's called our, our brand growth membership. And that's a community of people who run e-commerce brands and they have a growth mindset and they want to they want to learn what has worked for other businesses. Our whole idea at our company is that we go and we interview people like on, a, on my podcast, like you're doing here and figure out what's like, what are people doing? What, what's working right now? What's, what's the playbook that's actually providing results in 2022 and then break that down into ways that people can install it in their business. So that's a lot of what we're trying to do is just help people be able to make it easier to run their business. And so I've got this membership. There's about 300 members in there and they're helping each other. Um, we have, it's like a forum. And then we have also our whole platform where we've got all these different like trainings and templates and stuff that you can use to install in your business. Um, a lot of the content from that comes from my interviews. So we you know, put a lot out in the podcast, they also comes from working directly with clients. Like I mentioned, we've got uh, something called the Brand Growth Accelerator. And that's a cohort program. It happens a couple of years, a couple times a year. And that is where I spend most time working with most, most of my time working with clients. We have a group, usually about 20 to 30. And over a period of eight weeks, we will go through and the idea is to help people get really clear on what they want to go and build systems in their business to make it so it's possible. Um, and that's, it's a combination of group coaching and then one-on-one. -on -one. And that's really fun because that whole community that we've got, it's all established e-commerce entrepreneurs. And we go through and figure out, you know, what is everyone trying to accomplish here? How can we collectively help each other out? And 
what's interesting is that everybody has something unique that they're really, really good at and mm-hmm. the reason that they're growing their business. And often it's just much easier to find out what somebody else is doing, learn from them and take that and install it in your business rather oh, than man. trying to come up with something new, right? It's the power of a library card. It's honestly just go to the library and you can, there's a cheat sheet to growing a business. Uh, 100%. I, I, I mentioned these books like a million times on the podcast, but without a doubt, like Profit First by Mike Michalowicz changed our business like overnight. Um, Traction changed our business overnight. And those were just, you know, six, eight hour reads, boom, our business is just so different. And library yeah. cards free, but you could have bought them for like 10 bucks. You know what I mean? And it's like just wild. Like don't reinvent the wheel. Like people have, especially now, like people have done everything that you are thinking about doing before just in a different package. Yes. They made all the mistakes and learned from them. I mean, I think a lot of what what I talk about is just like mistakes that we've made, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 also helping people try to run their business in a in a more sane way because of the insanity that we went through when running an early growth agency. That was just it's hard it's like it's hard enough to grow one brand, let alone like six or eight or ten. And and so you, you learn a lot of things about what you want in your life, how you want your business to work for you, all those different things. And then, I mean, you can kind of turn them into systems and yeah. that's, it's, it's really helpful. <laughs> I mean, the, just the collective knowledge of being at a growth agency and helping like a dozen brands at a time, like you're just, you're learning and solving 10 times faster than any, any one brand out there. And that's kind of like the, the, the power of, uh, you know, finding a partner like a consultant or whatever that is in your corner that can help that you trust is because they more than likely have experienced it before. Or they have someone in their network that they can ask and get the answer right away. For sure, it's it's so interesting. I, I think I, I've like looked at the you know service provider agency freelancer relationship, and it's very interesting because there's so many polarizing opinions out there. Oh my right, gosh. people are like, yeah. never use an agency, only use an agency, never use a freelancer, hire in house. The way I think about it now is that it's oh, a it, life cycle. It goes back to something you just said earlier. It's an abundance mindset versus a zero sum mindset. Yes. That, yeah. That's very, very important if you're going to have success there. And also almost every relationship has some sort of a timeline on it, right? Mm-hmm. So what will help you early on might be a freelancer, right? But that if your business is growing, there's going to be somewhat of a timeline on that. You're probably not going to work with that freelancer forever. So it's okay to think about this as like in this moment, it's okay to have this, this person is, can help me right now. But maybe as you grow, now you need to trans- transition to an agency because the freelancer doesn't have enough time to dedicate to you. That's okay, right? All these things, it's not like the freelancer is bad or good and the agency is bad or good. It's just at this time in your business, this is what you need. And yeah. if we can step back and realize that that's the most important thing. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I think about things in like the business life cycles. There's there's like there's like three extremely like easy to pinpoint stages, but then there's obviously like just minutiae of like other things in the middle. But you know, it comes down to there's your startup phase where you know depending on you know you bootstrapped or not, you have investment or not, like your budgets are really going to impact whom you can partner with to work with on on yeah. certain things and. You know, you get what you pay for, and that's the truth. Um, and then, as you kind of move through that startup phase and you figure out product market fit, you then move into like the scaling phase of things. And this is where you know you can kind of afford whoever you want, really. Um, but you know, there are pros and cons to each of those things. And I think that one thing that a lot of people, people that like to work with agencies, like to have like one point of contact to like handle anything that they don't want to do. Um, I think that's a, and that's something that a lot of agencies do is they find uh, a way to kind of do a, a few things really really well and cross sell it and be a good partner for you know in that that scaling phase of things and then kind of the third one that's like super obvious is like as you kind of go grow as a brand you know I would say even like if you're over like the 10 million mark a year as a brand you're kind of getting into like enterprise territory and that's when you probably should. Especially your CFO is going to say this is bring everything in house and like start to start to you know rein in the spending, uh, except for on like really strategic initiatives where you do want like an outside opinion. 
Yes. Something that's outside of your core competency. I think it's always interesting. I, oh, I was talking about this with uh, my clients. It's like, what is your business, right? Are you a, and this, I think the biggest mistake that a lot of physical products brands makes, they, they think that they're like a manufacturer, but they're actually a marketing company. Yeah. And so they think because they have products and they, you know, they maybe do a little bit of, they're developed somewhere and they're selling them that they are a manufacturer and that's the, that's the most important thing. No, no, no. The real most like 90% of the direct to consumer businesses out there, the most important thing is marketing. And that's where, you know, maybe you can have a 3PL, but you need to make sure that you're not outsourcing your most important channel. And that's where often with like Facebook agencies or Google agencies, whatever one's your most important channel, it can be really hard to have success if you are going to outsource your most important channel, unless you've already figured out what works exactly. And you're just trying to speed up the volume. Yeah. I think that um, in in that regard, I think there's something that also needs to be kind of differentiated is like, I think a lot of people have failures with outsourcing, especially Facebook and email is the creative side of thing. Uh, I think that's really, really hard to outsource. I think that a brand needs to keep the creative element of it in-house. And the more execution and strategy can be kind of a partnership between you and another agency. Um, but you know, they're not gonna have that vision of the product like you do to create the assets that you need. Like yeah. that's that's something that you gotta kind of really build those systems internally. And it's just not gonna work. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to work until you're like way up, maybe at a level where you know exactly what's already worked. You've got all your SOPs and you know how to sell perfectly. You can possibly outsource that, but that takes a long time. And most people listening are not in that spot. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the Shopify expansion pack to level up your brand. By turning all your internet-connected apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day chaos of running your store. Join other successful brands that have learned how to balance clever workflows with a solid infrastructure to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order data in Google Sheets, products on Etsy, or customers added to HubSpot, Mesa has you covered. Peace of mind is right around the corner when all your apps are working seamlessly together. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, and collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. 
Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention this podcast, Honest Ecommerce, and get your first month absolutely free. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Obviously, there there are entrepreneurs in all shapes and sizes listening to my show right now. Um, and we talked a lot about uh, kind of the mindset of getting things started. Um, I know you have this concept of the effortless growth operating system. Uh, how does that help merchants? What is that? So this is kind of my... I, I took a lot of what I've done working with clients and how I run my own business. We package it into something we call the effortless growth operating system, which it's you know similar in a way to traction, right? Where it's an operating system to run your business, but it's more optimized for a online business, an e-commerce business. Mm-hmm. And it's like a six-step process. And the idea is that if you take your business and you break it down into a similar kind of thought process where you're looking at things over a, over a year, over three years, over 90 days, and then down to a much smaller time period, that you can create systems in your business that allow it to basically run itself. Some of those components, dashboards, right? Like having a dashboard that is designed for your business that everybody in the company knows if your guys are doing well or doing poorly. That's something that needs to be created to make it easier to run the business. Having a clear vision of where you're going, right? Having a vision that's very clear so everybody in the company knows where you're going over 90 days over a year, over three years, and this path to get there. Um, I think often like one of the biggest mistakes that people make is not doing enough reflection about where they actually want to go before going in it, like taking massive action. So my, my whole belief is that less just immediate massive action, more setting the sails in the direction where you want to go. And we have a kind of a process of how we think about that. It's like starts out by asking yourself a lot of questions, journaling, kind of preparing for where, what you actually want, and then turning that into a vision for your team to be able to actually align behind. Once you got that, then it's breaking it down into like, you know, putting people in the right roles for their business. So understanding like, you know, uh, what, what you actually need as a company and figure and realizing that um, you need somebody in marketing, but what does it actually mean? Are they, is there somebody who's responsible for marketing than somebody who's actually doing the marketing? Is there somebody who's, you know, breaking your company down? Look, a small company has a lot of different roles that they need to be filled. And you may have lots of people sitting in these different seats, but it's important to be able to visualize that. Um, yeah, so it's a system for creating easier growth in your business and being able to, you can't really take your hands off the all the knobs until you know where they are and everybody knows where they are, if that makes sense. Now, is this something that you are walking the, the members of like in these cohorts through? Yeah. Yeah. So if you join the membership, you get access to it and you can go through all the trainings and, uh, and basically the idea is over like three months, you should be able to install this in your business and start running your business in this way. Um, and the idea is that if you, if you install it, you go through all this and you, you know, you go through my reflection process, you figure out where you are. Then you create a vision for where you're going and then you get like super clear about who's going to help you get there that it's going to make it a lot easier. It's 
made my life a lot easier. The amount of time I spend running my business today versus three years ago, it's probably a third of the amount of time. And, um, that's been basically the same for all, for all my clients. It's like, it's just the ability to take things away that are the ability to delegate things in and, and also find out what's really important to you. Back to your point about some business owners who are just like, I want growth, 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 growth. Well, why do people want that? And it's usually because they're not clear about what they actually want. We're not clear about where they're going, right? And we're seeing a lot more exits now in the e-commerce space, which is really exciting and really cool and something that six, seven years ago just wasn't happening. But what's exciting about that is that if you really get clear about where you want to go, about how you want to sell your business and all those different things, it's a there's an opportunity to actually get there and it might not include growing revenue. It probably doesn't include growing revenue as fast as possible, right? Like every single person that I've talked to who sold their business was not, it was not about how fast that they grew their revenue. It was how fast they grew their bottom line. And, uh, and that also often doesn't mean like, you know, Facebook ads at all costs, right? Which can Mm. be, which has been a strategy that a lot of people have followed. Yeah, for a while. No, that's it, really interesting. I, I, it's funny. Um, I, I I spoke with a gentleman the other day, and uh, he, he was explaining how you know, it's just it. He, they got there when they got there, right? And and they've made a really it's a really amazing business, and they're not looking to sell really. But it's interesting to talk about and and figure out like why 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 he should sell and you know you like pitch me on this why you know why why do you want to buy this why what what do i have that's so cool um and i just think that kind of perspective on things is just getting a business to a point where you can sell it and it's just up to you whether or not you're done having fun is like super enticing to me yeah well also i think if to get it to package it that way it makes it so that it takes off a lot of the burden you know somebody wants to buy a business that's well run they don't want to buy a business that's poorly run they want to buy a business where the owner has the choice to continue to run it and isn't you know burned out rather than somebody's completely burned out by the business that they built all the things that all the things that happen to create a business that's more valuable are also better for the business owner yeah Especially, it's better for your your pocket. You know, if you kind of get rid of, like, honestly, any opportunity that a potential investor sees or a potential purchaser sees is things that you should be fully aware of. And if you just fix that yourself, now your valuation just went up. Yes, 100%. One of the most important things to focus on and one of the kind of six steps of this effortless growth operating system is first and foremost, making sure you keep growth simple. And you've talked a lot about this in the podcast as well, but it comes, it's very easy to get see shiny objects everywhere, especially if you listen to podcasts, if you listen to trainings, all these different things. But at the end of the day, it it is very simple. It's, can you boost average order value? Can you drive more traffic? Can you increase your conversion rate? And like everything should come back to that. Everything should be coming back to these things because those are truly your only levers that you've got. Also, you know, increase repeat purchase rate. But it's again, very, very simple. And that makes the whole part of running your business easier if you can stay away from some of these shiny objects. The second part of it is uh, asking better questions. And there's a Tony Robbins has a saying that's really resonated with me, which is the quality of your life is equal to the quality of the questions that you ask. I think that's the same with your business. Um, the, the quality of the outcome that you get from your business is equal to the quality of the questions that you ask. And so when I was talking about doing some reflection and trying to figure out like what you're looking for in your business, you're talking about building it in a way that you can choose to sell or not. I think that's a really good way to think about it. But getting getting really clear about what's working, what's not working, getting kind of grounded in reality is important because you don't want to be... The biggest mistake that I see people make is that it's not being realistic about where they actually are with the product. You can be totally unrealistic about where you want to go. I think that can be okay. But if you're not clear and if you're not realistic about how people are perceiving your product, you're probably not going to have that much success. If you think that they know they love it and they don't, well, that's not a good place to be. Um, 
kind of the third thing in this operating system is to paint a crystal clear vision of where you want to go. And that really, that, that really makes it easier for other people to, um, other people to join you. Right. And there's a Cameron Harold who run, who ran 1-800-JUNK, um, he wrote a book called Vivid Vision. He talks a lot about how as entrepreneurs, we have this like, this vision in our head of where we want to go. And it's all, it's like, we're like laying bricks basically ahead of us. And we're laying bricks fast as we continue to move forward. The problem is that often nobody else sees where those bricks are going and where you're going to be laying them. If you take the time and you actually get super clear about what it looks like, then other people can help you. Other people can help you get there. Um, so that's kind of the, st- the third step is like getting really clear about that, laying out in front of your team. The fourth is focusing on just one goal at a time. Another a big mistake that I have seen uh, and committed myself many times is over a 90 day period committing to like three to five big goals, right? And especially with a small team, if you just have, I think you should just focus on one thing a quarter. That's a big thing to move forward, right? Other people can have smaller little things that they work on, but like one overall vision um, for what you're going to do. One, one like big milestone to move forward a quarter. I think that that's been very successful. The fifth step is assembling your championship squad back to abundance mindset. I believe wholeheartedly that you should try to bring in the best people that you can possibly work with because it's going to make your life so much easier, whether that's in-house, whether that's an agency or a freelancer, like you got to attract the the best people. So many people spend a lot of time trying to sell their product, oh, but not selling their business. And what I mean by that is like, you want to, you want to have like a clear, compelling story for your business so that people are attracted and want to come work with you. Basically, when it comes to hiring a team member or hiring an agency or a consultant, a freelancer, whatever, you should honestly spend as much money as you can afford because the returns are going to be directly correlated to your investment in a sense. Um, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you everyone in on some things, you know, uh, a growing pain of the agency was you know, hiring juniors before we really could. If you have a team of less than 10, so it was like one to 10 full-time employees, yeah. whatever job you're hiring for, the person has to have done that job before somewhere else, been trained somewhere else, and know exactly how to do what you're hiring for them to do. You cannot teach somebody how to do a job in a startup. That's funny. I have a completely opposite philosophy. Oh, yeah? Yes. I... I'm not as worried about hiring people early on that are, um, that have done the job before. And the thing I almost always look for is just the most talent. Yeah. And then do training. But that's also kind of a philosophy around our business that we want to help people. We want to, like, it's about training people. Right. And we're like, okay, we've got all these things to train people. And it's, it's interesting because I think both of them work, right? Like both of those things can work, but you have to be clear with your philosophy. Don't like, like you have to, which is, which is exciting to talk about this because we have a philosophy, you have a philosophy. It doesn't matter what your philosophy is if you stick Mm -hmm. to your philosophy. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the where I'm coming from is I've made the mistake in the past and we realize that we have so much going on. We don't have the time to train as well as we should to help juniors level up in their careers. And it's just that's just something we realize as an agency. I think in an agency that that's actually pretty accurate, especially if you're growing super fast because it's so it's freaking hard. There's so many moving parts. Yeah, there there are, and it's just um, you know a mistake was made, and we learned from it, and and now we're hiring you know lead devs and and things like that, and we build out a whole bunch of SOPs and and frameworks and, and efficiencies along the way that we can teach people as they join our team, but you know it's uh, you to as a founder trying to distill out all the information of how you'd make decisions to a junior uh, isn't the best use of your time. You should hire someone that can do the things because they have the experience and you just give them the vision of where you want them to go. Be like, this is what the goal is. Don't delegate a to-do list. See, that's the difference there is with like a, someone that is younger in the, 
in their career, you'd be delegating a to-do list and they wouldn't be learning or creatively thinking and problem solving how to do it themselves or a way that might be more efficient than the way that you're thinking about it. Uh, as opposed to with someone that is a more senior in their career with whatever kind of subject matter expertise we're talking about, you can be like, look, you're going to go build our pilot CRO program. We know you've done it for the last three years. Yeah. You know, I'll talk to you in three weeks. Let me know what you come up with. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's interesting. I definitely from the t- anything technical, I no hiring of juniors. Uh, that's worked out very poorly. Hiring it. We need somebody good and you hire like a brand new designer. Generally not, <laughs> or, or developer. Generally not good, um, but yeah, it, it's it's it, it's interesting. I think I'm of the same philosophy that like you want to get the best possible people that you can and figure that out because they're going to directly help you have success in your business. Like the quality of your company is going to be highly correlated to the quality of your team, and it's interesting when you hear people complaining about their team or oh, I can't get people to do anything. Well, that's on you. Like that's <laughs> that at, at the end of the day, it comes back to whatever process that you went through hiring. I think for, for me, one thing that has been really helpful is never skipping the process. All of our bad hire, all the hires that did not work out. I won't say bad hires, the ones that didn't work out. It's always been because they skipped the process that we have. You know, it's funny is that is completely true with uh, bad clients too. Anybody that wants to skirt the process, yes, uh, you know, the vetting process of becoming a client, discovery is dumb. You know, all that stuff. Like it, it never works out. It never works out. It never works out. And it, it's one of those things that back to like the philosophy, I, I think we have a hiring philosophy of trying to hire for trying to attract people with lots of talent and train them. And I think that works out super early when, when you're really small, it's worked out well for us, the first couple of hires, but also we have a process to like weed people out throughout that. It's like multi-step hiring process. It's in our, in the membership. You can go take a look at it. Uh, but it's, it's a multi-step hiring process that we put people through. And every time we've gone all the way through, we've come, come out with a great candidate. Every time we've skipped it and been like, Oh, we need somebody now we're going to go for a referral from somebody who maybe we don't trust entirely. It's, Ended up poorly. <laughs> uh, again, back to books for a cheat sheet. The who hiring process is what we use to build out our internal hiring process. It's great. And I think the key word is process, right? Like everybody should, it makes it so much easier when you have some sort of process to fall back on. Um, yeah. And then the last step of this is called, we just call it raise the floor. And it's like every 90 days, try to put in systems that help you raise up the floor of the business so you don't fall backwards, right? So anything that has worked over the last 90 days, is there any way to automate it? If you can, then the business improves and you don't go from that boom bust cycle that is probably the most stressful part of running a business. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Man, we went all (laughs) over the place today. uh, And I hope people, uh, you know, I hope people enjoy uh, some of the, you know, behind the screens, like of running a service business stuff that we I tangent off to sometimes. Uh, but you know, it, it's just these are things that I like to talk about. Yes, uh, I, I was talking about with somebody else. I was talking with Taylor Holiday, mm-hmm. who runs Common Thread Collective, and you know, we're talking about is it better to run an agency or a e-commerce like an or an e-commerce business? And it it feels like people on each side are like, oh, you know, grass is always greener. Grass is always greener. Grass is always greener, but you know, both at the end of the day, both are challenging. Both have their upsides and downsides. And there's also a lot that you can learn from, from running either one. Absolutely. And I, we could, that, that'd be a whole another hour long conversation, honestly, if we wanted to dive into that, you know, which one's better. Uh, but you know, I'll just have you back in a couple months and we'll, we'll dive in there or somewhere else. Um, Austin, is there anything I forgot to ask you about today that you think would resonate with our audience? Um, what books would I recommend that changed my, yeah, well, you, you, you get some good examples. Um, I need to, I, I'm going to pull up my phone and I'm going to write down all these and, and get them. Yeah. You know, one that I liked recently that was very simple. It got recommended to me, uh, double your profits by Bob Pfeiffer. Have you read that one? 
I have not. I'll have to check that out. It's good. It's, I mean, it's a very short read. It's like, it's like 78 steps or something. Each one's like a page. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really, really good. I too like the, um, well, on the financial side, a book that completely changed my life is, oh my gosh, why am I not remembering the name right now? It's got a crazy name. Um, Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits. I have heard of it. Such a good book. Such a good book. And again, one of those things that you can take, install the system and um, run with it. So that's a, that's a good one. I, uh, it's like That's like required reading. The other one is The Brain Audit. I love The Brain Audit. It's an excellent, excellent book. I've had... The only person, had, uh, both uh, both those people, the person who wrote Simple Numbers in, the author of the brain on my podcast, and because I, I read it and I was like, I got to bring you on, talk to him, talk to him about it. But it's a it's a really interesting like breakdown of conversion and why it's it's why customers buy. That's the whole book, and it's really helpful for e-commerce because I'll share one of the things I really liked. It's something called reverse testimonials. It's that we often think of leading with our best testimonial, right? Like somebody that says something like brand growth experts, the best company, we had the best experience, all those different things. But in real life, nobody ever shares a testimonial like that. The way that they share it is, you know, let's say you're recommending an ice cream place. Maybe you would say like, okay, maybe it's a coconut ice cream place. Okay. So you might start with something like, All right. So typically coconut ice cream is not my thing, but this is incredible. And that's actually the way humans share testimonials. They start with kind of a negative, right? Like, you know, I've had terrible experiences with agencies, but this agency blew me away. That's an example of a negative negative testimonial that's way more powerful. And that's where you can install that in your own product page. And those tend to be a lot more effective than over the top effusive uh, praising testimonials. Oh yeah, that, that's fantastic. And it, I, funny you say that. We're uh, we re, we interviewed all of our clients uh, at the well, not all of them, um, but we interviewed a, uh, about a handful of them. And you know, uh, one of them basically said, like, you know, we worked with a bunch of agencies that all said they were Shopify experts, but you know, Electric Guy was the only ones that actually, you know, the proof was in the pudding. And I was like, that's really cool. And now I'm like, I should probably put that on our contact page. <laughs> That's probably the best testimony, right? That's the best testimonials. Awesome. Uh, Austin, where do people go to check out the podcast, to check out the membership, to learn more about the cohorts? What do they do? So um, I would say the best place to go check out is just go to brandgrowthexperts.com. Um, that's going to have our the next Brand Growth Accelerator kicks off in February. So if you're interested in joining that, or you can join the membership uh, over there. And then the podcast is called the E-Commerce Influence Podcast. It's where all podcasts are found. Whatever you're listening, um, you can just search E-Commerce Influence Podcast. And I think we've got... been doing it for quite a while. Maybe 300 episodes? A little over 300? So Yeah, you guys have been doing it for a little bit longer than I have. Chase, thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, absolutely. I had a blast and uh, I look forward to talking soon. Thanks a lot, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.